Welcome back to the Mia's Mom podcast. I am Cambry, the host of this podcast. And if you've been listening for a while now, you know that I love my guest episodes. I've had five guests so far, and each one of them has been so unique and so fun and different. And as this podcast continues, I'm looking forward to speaking with more moms and letting them share their stories. And speaking of guests, I'm so excited. We have two guests today. This is my first time ever having two guests on Mia's Mom. I am joined today with moms Ambry and JC Daigle to talk about their introduction into motherhood and their journey along the way. So welcome to the pod, you guys. Yay! Thanks Hi, for choosing Cambry. us. Thank you for choosing us. <laughs> I'm so excited that y'all are here. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk with me. That's awesome. We're so excited. I'm so excited. I have wanted y'all to come on for a really long time, and I'm so excited that you are here, and I'm so excited to hear everything. So, like I said, this is my first time ever having more than one guest on an episode, and I'm so happy that it's you guys that get to be my very first time. And before we dig in, I usually have guests share a little bit about themselves. So can y'all share a little bit about yourselves individually and also as a couple so that we can get to know y'all a little bit better? Sure. Um, okay, so collectively we're known as Jambry. Jambry. <laughs> That's really that's really close to Cambry. It is Cambry. It is. It we, is. we did that because it rhymed with your name. <laughs> yeah, so my name's Ambry. Just quick background. I grew up in Louisville, Louisiana, small little town. I went to college at in Lafayette at UL and I got into the hygiene program, which was really small, it was just six girls. And that's where I met JC in 2009-ish. She had a biology degree. And then decided to try the hygiene route. And so her and I met there in 2009. And we started dating in 2010. So we've been together for 13 years. But yeah, we got one baby boy right now. And that is just a quick introduction of myself. JC, you want to give a quick background? Yeah. There's nothing quick with me, but I will try my best. So um, my name is JC Daigle. I'm 39 years old from Lafayette, Louisiana. I think I'm fun and cool and I like to play music and I had to give up being a rock star for my dental career. So um, for a long time I was a dental assistant and then at some point in time I used plan B. Plan A was always to be a dentist, you know, I wanted to be a dentist. But plan B was going to hygiene school and that's where I met my wife and we've been married for seven years and like she said been together for 13 years and and I know this episode has to do with fertility and so we're we're some good guests because you get two different moms standpoints on the same birth <laughs> child yeah I am so excited I cannot tell y'all I mean I have loved y'all ever since I have met y'all and I'm just so excited to hear you both of y'all's story with the same kiddos <laughs> it will be dramatic but it will also be real life, real life yeah I can't wait so you guys are also expecting a second baby yes yes when is that baby due October 25th yeah ah my sister's birthday is October 30th maybe it'll be a Halloween baby I love yeah. I love a fall a, a fall time baby oh yeah that's so exciting. So do you know if y'all are having a boy or a girl? Another boy. 
Oh, another boy. And yeah. have y'all already picked out a name? His name's going to be Jacques. Jacques. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. So two little French boys. Jacques, Julie and I Jacques. Love it. Jacques Maurice, a.k.a. Giacomo. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am dying. That's so cute. So are the J names intentional? So we chose Julian... You know, we had a baby name list like every other girl, you yeah, know. We, and we, we do like J. We do but we like did like J names. names. And so we chose Julian. And then when we told our family Julian, then her mom was like, well, my grandfather's name was Julian. And we were like, well, this is just meant to meant be, to be yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, then we didn't know what we were going to have next. But we had two names picked out. And if, we were, if it was going to be a girl, we were going to name her June. And if it was going to be a boy... We really liked Jacques, and my mom lost the baby name Jacques, so that's why it was on our list. And then it I just kind of stuck. And then JC's papa's name was Maurice, so his middle name's going to be Maurice. So he's going <laughs> to be a real little French boy, you yeah. know? That's so cute. I love it. So we did have a lot of J names on that list. <laughs> I love it so much. So we're going to get into mom stuff in just a second, but I have to share this story with y'all really quick. So we kind of touched on this with Jambri. Just a little heads up. So when Drew and I were living in New Orleans, I worked six days a week. And for everybody listening, I worked Monday through Friday at an office. And then on Saturdays, I worked for a different dentist. His name was Dr. Lebon. And Saturdays at Dr. Lebon's were kind of like a first come, first serve type of situation. You could work as much or as little as you wanted to. And a friend that I worked with Monday through Friday worked Saturdays at Dr. LeBond's office, and she's who got me connected there. So my very first Saturday there, I brought a patient back, and I introduced myself. I was so nervous. I was like, you know, hey, I'm Cambry. I'm the hygienist that's going to be seeing you today, all that stuff. And the patient was like, yeah, you were the hygienist that saw me last time. And I didn't know what to say because it was my first day there so <laughs> clearly I had not seen her before but I didn't want to like insult her tel- intelligence or something so I was like no I don't think so because I, I really haven't been here that long and she was like no you definitely did because I remember your name and again I didn't know what to say but I was just like oh, okay and just kind of like moved on but clearly since it was my first day there, I had never seen her before. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. So, but also my name is like really unique. Like I don't know any other ones. Yeah. So I was like super confused. And then probably like a month or two after I started working there, I worked with you, Ambry. And (laughs) And then then it all began to make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause I saw your, your name is spelt differently than mine but it sounds really similar so I saw it on the schedule and I thought it was Amber and then whenever uh, I think Lisa introduced us and she was like this is Ambry and I was like oh that's where that came from that is in similar personality so the patient was probably like you're crazy you know (laughs) yes but we don't look anything alike also like we could not look more different but they but, don't see us. Like, I feel like because they, you know, we always have, well, I mean, we didn't have mask on right when you walked in the room, but like, I feel like they just know our eyes, I guess, you know? <laughs> That's true. That is true. 
But yeah, I had to tell y'all that. I can't remember. I might have told you that before, Amber, but I don't think I've told JC that. And I think of that. I like so that funny. story. That's a good. I remember one. those Saturdays. So Though I work six days a week while she was in dental school, and those Saturdays, I don't remember how much we made. Like maybe one twenty-five or one fifty or something for half a day. And I it would take my check. <laughs> yeah, I would take my check. I would go to the grocery store across the street from where we were working and I'd buy my groceries for the week with my Saturday check and then just have Sundays off to breathe and then do it all over again. Yep. It was exhausting. Earlier when I said that hygiene school was plan B, it was probably supposed to be plan A so that I can meet Ambry first to be able to actually survive dental school. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I was definitely going to ask you that because I think as hygienists, I know that you said that dental school was kind of always your plan a but I think that people that aren't in the dental world kind of tier dental hygiene and actual dentist and they're just so different so for me I never wanted to go to dental school but people told me all the time before I had kids they were like you should go back to school you should go to dental school and it was just not ever interesting yeah. and to it, me. And it almost insulted me because when JC was in dental school, all the girls or kids or whatever would be like, when are you going to go to dental school? And I'm like, that's like yes. asking every teacher if they want to be a principal, like totally different job. Like yes. not the yeah. same job at all. Like at all. It's insane. And she yeah. wanted to do, be a dentist from, you know, her whole high school. She was like pre-dent. 101 all this stuff but life did not happen that way you know she did not well, I took the long road yeah 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 so she yeah. she was a dental assistant for a while after she got because she graduated college in 02 or 04 no, girl 04 <laughs> was it 04 06 06 she graduated yeah. college so she was a dental assistant I don't know her I don't she's old um, <laughs> but she she was a dental assistant forever. Then she did hygiene, and then now she's a dentist, and she she still says hygiene's one of the hardest jobs ever. I was never it meant to be hard. a hygienist. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. She's like, no way. It is so hard, I, and I think that people just don't realize. Like, I think that they think it's like an easy gig, but it's like it's hard. That's why you don't see a lot of old hygienists. It's too. That's it's hard. true. It's rewarding, you know, and that's what that's what gets you through. I think is just that yeah. connection with your patients at the end of the day and knowing that you, you know, you help yeah. them. Yeah, for sure. Do you miss the dental hygiene side at all? Never, never, never in my life. She, every time I, I get a, the dumb idea to try to start cleaning somebody's tartar and remove their tartar off of their teeth, I regret it immediately. <laughs> I like, try, I'm like, Hey, can I come in after work on Tuesday and you can clean my teeth? She's like, we have seven hygienists. <laughs> Someone will clean your teeth. I'm like, but can you clean my teeth? She's like, no. <laughs> so she won't do it. Amory, do you still stay at home right now? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you loving it? I love it. It's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> yes. So when Julian was 15 months old, now he's a little over two. Well, a lot over two. He's almost two and a half. But when he was 15 months old, I put him in Mother's Day out twice a week. And I started like being a stay-at-home mom more. Because I had two five-hour periods during the week to, like, clean my house and cook and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I needed that mental break because he was a spirited child. And (laughs) more so then than now. He He was difficult, you know? 
Yeah. My plan, you know, and we all laugh at these plans. So I have a different plan every day is that this next baby, I'm going to put in Mother's Day out a little earlier. So like when he's a year old and I'd love to just go temp like once or twice a week at the office just to like have some autonomy, like just to like get out the house. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's important. I do know what you mean. So I'm like, I don't, I don't want a full-time job. I don't want to commit to days, but the office that JC works at is so big. I can just be like, Hey guys, I'm available on Mondays and Wednesdays if you need, because I still want to be here. If Julian has a bad night or has the flu, I don't want to like have to look for childcare on a whim. Like I, I, I am lucky that I can choose to stay home. You know what I mean? But yeah. I do miss connecting with patients. Also, and, we're pretty and high that. anxiety. So, like, we get anxious. I think we're so attached to Julian that we just don't... One of us always wants to be next to him, and we will protect him and love him forever yeah. and ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know? totally get that for sure. So, um, yeah. Because we know this is just a period in our lives that's going to come and go, you know? Yes, for sure, yeah. So, I haven't, like, officially... By the time this episode comes out, I will have said it on the podcast but I haven't said it yet but I just recently started back working part-time and Drew has kind of like shifted his weekend around so that he can stay home with Jack while I'm gone because we feel the same way it's like I mean I don't want somebody else with him all the time I want to be with him it's true so I totally get that yeah no we're like selfish in that way but I'm like we're selfish in that way but it's just such a treat to spend time with your child, you know, and just each day they just grow so fast. So it's like, you know, that time is so precious. So just, you just got to make the most of it, you know? And they're changing all the time yeah. too. Like yeah. you, it, like right in front of your eyes, they're changing. I don't want to miss anything. No, you know? I don't want to miss anything, but the best version of myself is when I get a break. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Like I'm ready to clock out of this house, you know, and JC's yes. just getting off of work and she don't want to leave. And I'm like, uh, you know it's a lot so yes. I feel like it's it's about finding the right balance for yourself because not everybody wants to be a stay-at-home mom right you know so I yeah, think you still have to find balance as a stay-at-home mom yeah right for sure JC do you ever get jealous of Ambry staying at home or do you like having that professional I wish life? I could rock this baby every day all day all night long I would hold him forever and ever but he he loves his mama Ambry and <laughs> you know he like when it comes to to cuddling and loving and that kind of comfort like at the time when he's going to sleep he's always with her and so I'm absolutely jealous of a lot of <laughs> emotional connection that he has with her but then it comes through to me like in a different when, way. In a, in a different way. And then at the, it, you know, after he leaves Ambry's arms, whenever he falls asleep, he turns over and rolls to me. And then I yeah. hold him all night long, girl. Oh, that's so sweet. So it's just like it's just so it's so cool. He loves his moms. He really does. And and he uh, he's been calling Ambry mom and me Mama Jace. Um, okay. But like last week, he decided he was going to call Ambry Mommy. 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 And he sounds like he's oh, from like a different. He's like, Mommy. Mommy. And we don't know where that came from. Yeah. So that's new. So, yeah. That's so funny. I've seen something on social media where it's like a transition of what kids call you. Like at first it's like ma and then like mama and then mommy and then mom. So I wonder if it's just like a transition like that. I think it's a transition like that. And also he's 
very shy and like <laughs> does wasn't talking very much and not talking in front of people won't say his name kind of kid mm-hmm. and like all of a sudden he's a little bit more confident so like I feel like he's just repeating himself more and like now he's like finding a voice maybe you know yeah that's awesome he's exploring yeah and but before you explored you would say can you say you know and like can you say apple and he would say no no <laughs> So we just got no. Like every time we tried to talk and try to make him pronounce stuff in different ways, he would just say no. No. You know? <laughs> That's so funny. I love it. Yeah, so. but now he's, he's he got this little leapfrog computer and he's really like starting to pronounce things and talk more. So That's great. That's awesome. So... When I worked with you guys, both of y'all were so great with kids. Did y'all always want kids of your own? Yes. Yes. But I didn't want to birth them. She knew she never wanted to birth a kid, but she knew she wanted a kid. Well, let me just say I was really relieved that I met someone who wanted to carry. Because I always also wanted to be a mom, but I never imagined myself like getting pregnant and having birth. So everything kind of worked out for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so interesting to me because we kind of touched on this at the beginning because that Ambry and I kind of have similar personalities, but I always knew that I wanted to have kids and like be the one to carry them. But I have friends who don't want that. And I had like never heard of that before. So I'm happy that you shared that JC, because I feel like a lot of girls feel like that, but they might be like ashamed or like embarrassed to say that because it's not the norm. So I'm happy that you shared that. Mm -hmm. Before I talk with guests, I get some questions together. And when I'm thinking about these questions, I'm thinking of all kinds of stuff to ask, right? And A lot of the times I'll have a question or a thought that will pop up that I've never had before or something that I've never realized will just like hit me. And while I was curating you guys' questions, I had the realization that, you know, sometimes in hetero relationships you can get pregnant unexpectedly or unplanned. And something that I think is so awesome and cool about y'all's family and other families with same-sex partners is that y'all have to be really intentional with growing your family. And you have to have that want to expand your family. And there's not a chance of surprise. You know, a lot of times with hetero couples too, they, they have that want also, but there is always that chance of a surprise. So... Anytime I see kids that have two moms or two dads, it always makes me so happy and makes me smile because I know that child or those children were really wanted really for that yeah, family. Yeah, really and wanted, yeah. I just wanted to acknowledge that here to everybody listening. I think that that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's, it's, it's very true. You know, even before I knew that I was gay, I knew that I wanted to be a mom. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I knew I would figure it out, you know, no matter what, after I knew I was gay. But yeah. I just had to meet the right person. Right. And, and Ambry's the love of my life. We were kind of yin and yang, and, and, and Ambry always wanted kids, you know. And we stayed together for so many years before doing this kid process, and we wanted those same things we always wanted since we were younger, even before we even knew each other, you know. You want what you want. 
when you know that you know something so just true, don't know how you're gonna get you there. know something so so much you know and you just know from your core that you want to be a mom one day you can figure it out and it doesn't matter if your uterus is broken because you could use someone else's uterus these days you right know? it's it's if you want something so bad and you feel that your purpose in life is to experience being a parent and having you know children to love and, and to nurture and nature and all this other stuff you'll figure it out yeah, we you hope that out. you figure it out yeah we hope that you figure it out you know yeah we hope that we can inspire Absolutely. people to get what they want to to not give up So whenever a couple is thinking about expanding their family, you have options. And if you're in a guy-girl relationship, you can conceive by having unprotected sex. You can adopt. You can use a surrogate. You can do IUI or IVF. And there might be more ways that I left out, but you get it. You have options. And when you're in a same-sex relationship, your options are a little bit different. Like I mentioned, you have to be a little bit more intentional. So you mentioned in your intro, you already have one little boy, Julian, and that you are currently pregnant with your second baby. So because Ambry is pregnant, we can kind of rule out some of those options like adoption and surrogacy. So what was the exact route that y'all chose when you decided to expand your family? So we're going to let Ambry answer this question. I actually wrote, I have a journal. And so I had to go in it today and just pull up some dates because you forget things. But whenever we decided we were going to try to expand our family, the quickest route we thought was going to be go to the fertility doctor because that's what our OB suggested. The fertility doctor here in Lafayette is Dr. Stormit. He's amazing. His office runs just like a ship. It's They're a great office. And so she suggested that I talk to Dr. Stormit. And so we knew that the quickest route was probably going to be IUI, which is intrauterine insemination. It's the most inexpensive way to get from point A to point B. But the percentage or the chances of you getting pregnant is still pretty low. But it's it's where they usually start with couples who have fertility issues or same-sex couples. So your first appointment, you see Dr. Stormit and they give you a load of information. And you sure, you can jump straight to IVF. But you're going from spending like a couple thousand to like 26,000. So like that was not an option for us. And we didn't gotcha. think it would ever be an option for us. But the first time that you see them, they suggest taking a blood test to determine your AMH, which tests for proteins around the different follicles that you have. And so if you have a lot of follicles, then the number is going to be higher and it means that your egg count's higher. If the number is lower, it means that your egg count is lower. And that's a good place to start. Like, are you a good candidate for this? Do you have a good egg count? And so JC and I both did it because we had even thought, oh, you know, if we have to do IVF, we'll use some of JC's eggs, you know? So mm-hmm. we both did an AMH test. And at that point, we were in our early 30s, early-ish 30s, like 33 or something. I don't I was remember. 35. So my AMH was low and hers was like almost negative, like null. That's a good, that's good to know, you know? So yeah. I, I, we were like, all right, like we do need to start now. And this was in 2019. I actually had never heard of IUI until like two weeks ago. A lot of straight couples choose to do IUI because they monitor your whole cycle. 
So like, we actually have a coworker that did it seven times. I think she did seven IUIs. She has two kids, but her and her husband could not get pregnant on their own. So basically you go Let's and they- tell them what an IUI is. Well, that's what I'm gonna say real quick. They monitor you your whole month. So you take blood work like once or twice a week and they know exactly where you are, like in your cycle, if your hormones are where they're supposed to be, they'll put you on meds. Mostly you're, you are on some meds to help kind of stimulate the follicle to grow big and healthy. They take an ultrasound like every week to see what side you're gonna be ovulating on. And then they know exactly when you're gonna ovulate. And if you're a heterosexual couple, they'll use your husband's sperm and they'll take a catheter and put it directly into your uterus and release the sperm. The sperm still has to travel through your fallopian tubes to get, get to the ovary where it needs to be. And you kind of just cross your fingers, but it gives you a better chance timing wise, you know? And so okay. for our IUIs, we had donor sperm. And so they would monitor our, my cycle and, and do that exact thing, you know? So I okay. have friends who got pregnant the first time they ever did IUI. And I have friends that never got pregnant doing IUI. Interesting. So if you do IUI, how many times can you try that before you move on to doing IVF or deciding to just kind of it depends on the, it depends on the person. The, the clinic will let you do it as much as you want. There's not like a golden number. But whenever we had talked to Dr. Stormit, I had a couple of things going against me. One, when we chose our sperm donor, we chose somebody who was a retired donor. So we bought six vials of sperm. One vial would be used for each IUI or IVF. So we were limited by the amount of sperm that we had. And then we were limited because I had a low egg count and... When you do the IUI process, one of the first things they do also is check your fallopian tubes to see if they're blocked. You do that in office, like not sedated or anything. And when I went in to do that before I started my IUIs, I found out that I only had one good fallopian tube. One of them was completely blocked, which means that I could only do the IUI if I was ovulating on the side that my fallopian tube worked. You got that? So... When you that ovulate, is crazy. This yes. is so, so. I mean, I had no idea. So, if I was in a heterosexual relation, like relationship, getting pregnant would have been so hard because I was I had so many things stacked against me that I didn't even know. Because when right. you ovulate, you don't just ovulate left, right, left, right. It's whatever. So, I would go through a cycle, and then when it was time for me to ovulate, they would be like, "Oops, wrong side this month," and then we'd have to cancel it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So because of all of that, Dr. Starmit was like, let's do three full IUIs and then revisit. That was our treatment plan. Okay, awesome. Talk to me a little bit about picking a sperm donor. How did you guys go about doing that? What is that? We 100% thought it was going to be the hardest thing ever. And we've had friends that have done this. There was a lot of anxiety before, before. we actually started looking, just thinking about it and wrapping our mind around it, you know? So oh, Dr. Yeah. Starman had gave us a list of sperm donor companies that they used. And then every single one offers you different information about donors, like baby pictures, adult pictures, medical history, family history. We chose the bank that gives you everything. So it's the most expensive one because we wanted all the information. But okay. our thing was like, this is so weird. This is a random person. But we were like, if we would have adopted, we would have a child that was ours that had a past and a history and, you know, genetics from 
families that we didn't know. So we're like, this is our child who's going to be half me and half somebody that we don't know, but he's still our child. So we, you know, we had to wrap our head around that. And, and that was the hardest part. That was the hardest part. That helped us to pick a donor who is non-anonymous, which means that Julian would have the option if he wanted to, to reach out to his donor dad. Once he's 18. You know, so that was the most important thing for me is to find someone who he could figure some things out if he needed to, you know, because I had an awesome dad. Ambry has a great dad and, and dads are awesome. You know, so right. so Julian has a donor dad, and we started scrolling, and we both fell in love with this most beautiful donor. In know, like two minutes. In two minutes, we both knew he was the one. That's how we picked our baby. Yeah. Dad. So yeah. the but our little baby daddy. <laughs> yeah. Is, you know, he's a hundred percent Colombian. He looks just like my family, who is are not Colombian, <laughs> but he looks just like everybody else in my family. He looks like Ambry as a man. Yeah, and. It's funny, we're like, oh, and then we bought the sperm. We were poor. Jason graduated dental school in 2018. We moved back here. She got in a car accident in Dallas at a CE course, had a neck surgery that was unsuccessful, missed a ton of work. Oh my gosh. So then this all happened, and then we're like, let's have a kid. So then we, we're doing all this, but like, it's not like we had, you know, an unending amount of funds. Like, we bought the sperm and it hurt. You know what I mean? Like, so we were financially, you know, taking a little bit of a hit, but it was definitely worth it. So we bought all six vials of this guy's sperm and began the process with the IUIs at Dr. Storman's office. I think the point is that it's never going to seem like the right time to ever start having kids. You know, I was having neck surgeries when I just started a career in dentistry, but you only live once. And so... You might have these things in your head that, you, you know, this factor, that factor, that feel like they're holding you down, but you just got to go forward sometimes and you figure it out. Oh, I freaking love y'all. I have a couple of follow-up questions. For the donor, you said that when Julian turns 18, he has the option to contact him. Does he know that y'all have his sperm? Can he talk to y'all? Or is yeah. Nobody can contact each other right now. He gets notified of a live birth. And so okay. there are ways that I guess this site can connect you to him at a certain time or something. So we can't get information on him until Julian's 18, but like he knows he has a live birth recorded, you know? Gotcha. And then my other follow-up question was for the IUI. So you said you did three attempts at the IUI. So I did three complete attempts. So I started the IUI process in September of 2019. And I had a negative pregnancy test in September. And then in October, I redid the whole IUI process again. And then I got a negative pregnancy test. And then November came around and I did half of the IUI. Like, you know, got to the point where they saw where I was ovulating and I was ovulating on the wrong side. So mm -hmm. I had to cancel that. And then from all the meds I had been on, at the end of November, I ended up with ovarian cyst. And so I had to, like, I couldn't do it anymore for a little while until the cyst went away. So then a little while into December, I did my final and third IUI. And y'all got pregnant then? Negative. So like when I was reading back in my journal, it was like depressing because like after the second pregnancy test, that was negative. It was like, 
we could only afford to do this one more time. You know what I mean? It felt and then, tighter and tighter and tighter. Like we were like, it was yeah, just closing it was like in on closing us. Like in it on wasn't going to happen. You know? right. Because IVF was not an option for us financially. Or so we thought. And so in December of 2019, when I got that third test, then we just stopped everything. And then COVID-19 happened three months later. And JC was out of work for like three months. Well, we both were. So IUI was, it was a long, it was, it was a long process. So with Julian, after the three completed attempts with IUI, when did you revisit that? Yeah. So we were like, like literally saying things like, we're never going to have kids. Like I remember like walking around our pond and being like, we're never going to be moms. Like this is insane. I don't remember thinking that. Well, I think it's because there's so much stress on you. Like, I couldn't get pregnant. I couldn't get pregnant. I couldn't get pregnant. Like, over and over and over. And then, like... Yeah, there's a big difference. The more you tell people... point of view. The more they ask. And then it's like... Then you don't want to share anymore because it's not happening. And it's like... Yeah. Nuts. You know what I mean? Everybody has an opinion. So then... It was kind of crazy. Because I remember being like, I don't know what we're going to do. Because IVF is... $26,000 $26,000 here. If you ask Dr. Stormit, he says eleven, but that's $11,000 plus the meds like seven to 10 grand. And then genetic testing is three grand. And then there's all these other fees. So it, it comes out to 26,000 bucks. And we were like, okay, cool. Where are we going to get that? And COVID hit. JC didn't work for three months. I didn't work for three months. We sat out at our house on the back porch, had the time of our life. Because we had been from working our butts off in our 20s to dental school in her early 30s, straight to back home to Lafayette, working our butts off again. And it was the first time that we just like sat. Sat down and just talked. We couldn't do anything. We you couldn't go anywhere. We just sat on the back porch every single day. Made you day. think about what you really wanted in life, you know. So yeah. it was uh, in my little journal, May of 2020 is when we decided we were going to call Dr. Starman and say, let's just start IVF. And people take out loans and, and we did not. You know, we didn't, but there's there's ways there's to do ways. it. I've heard all kind of ways that people figure it out. Some people's insurance covers it actually. Insurance didn't cover anything. Everything came out of pocket for us, and we're like, oh my god, we could have paid off JC student loans, but like, who cares? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like May of 2020 is when we decided to start the IVF process. And what did that look like? Because again, I've never been through this journey. I've heard IVF before. Like I had not heard IUI, but I've heard of IVF, but I don't really know anything about it. So IVF was great. And I kind of wrote down a quick timeline. Now going into it, I already knew that I didn't have a great egg reserve. You know what I mean? So you Mm -hmm. hear people who do IVF and then they're like, I have five embryos frozen. And you're like, wow, you know, like, that's amazing. That's a lot of chances to get pregnant. With IUI, your percentage of getting pregnant is super low. With IVF, your percentage of getting pregnant with genetic testing is like 60-something percent, which is really high. So, like, your chance of getting pregnant is pretty high. With IVF, they take the eggs out of you, make an embryo in a little Petri dish with the sperm, and then... They grow these embryos and the healthy ones you can choose to send to genetic testing to make sure that they're genetically sound and then those stay frozen for when you're ready to use them. So we decided in May to have an appointment. This was May of 2020 and in June I did an egg retrieval where they you're sedated. Up to that point I was on meds 
and they got nine eggs out, which I was really excited for because throughout the process, you lose like half and then half again throughout each step. So they retrieved nine eggs. And then the next day I got a phone call saying that four embryos survived the night. So I was like, yes, that's amazing. And then you wait like five days for a final count. And I was so excited that I had four embryos. And it was a Sunday at 7 a.m. And I answered my phone and the embryologist did not sound excited at all. And I could hear it in her voice. And she was like, I'm just calling to let you know that only one of your embryos survived. And I was like, holy shit. And now it's June. It's like June 23rd. And I was like, I have one embryo that's being sent to genetic testing. And usually half of the ones you send come back not good. I was distraught. I mean, I I had gained like 30 pounds. Like I was like, not okay. And we used all of our money. We used all of our money and I had one embryo. So then you have to wait for a phone call from the genetic testing, letting you know if your baby's okay or not. And And guess what? It was fine. He was fine. And it was a boy. And it was Julian. And we put him in and, and he liked where he was, you know, where he was. And he stuck. Living and he stayed and he, here he is now, you know. I got a phone call when I was at work saying that my embryo was genetically sound. And then they know the sex. So then you know if you want yeah. to. So we knew it was a boy. So we transferred him in August. That was a cool day at work. <laughs> but before we yeah. transferred him, we found out in June that we had a boy. On August 7th, JC had her second neck surgery. And then on August 11th, we transferred the embryo. That's right. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So that was nuts. Yes. And she yes. missed three months of work again. So, like, we were just rolling. Nesting, like, girl. Nesting. Yeah. Two so, little mama bears nesting. So I, did, I didn't have any embryos left. That was it. Julian was the baby. Oh, how amazing. Like... I know it just seems like everything's going wrong and wrong and wrong, but like how amazing is that? I mean, that's everything just went great. Yeah. I'm like, that's what yeah. that was meant to be, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. So after they do the implantation, that's what they call it when they yeah. like put it in. So that bypasses your fallopian tubes and everything. So none of that matters anymore. When they go in to take the eggs out, you know, for the egg retrieval, they go on with a big needle in your uterus and suck out the eggs from both sides. So they don't even <laughs> go through your fallopian tubes. And then when they get you pregnant, they place it exactly where it needs to be. That is so amazing that they can do that. And they do it like live. Like you can see it. Like I, you're awake. I saw it on the You see the it on screen. the screen. What? Oh, no, I didn't know that. It takes two seconds. And so you I, just watch a little you flash. You just see the little embryo drop right into the little... Perfect little spot. Know, like the little parking spot. Yep. That is insane. I had no idea that you could see that happening. Yep. Oh, so cool. So did you continue to see that specialist or no because... So you continue to see him. You do your, your beta blood test and all that with them. And then you do your first heartbeat ultrasound with them at seven to eight weeks. And then they release you. Okay. Or they release me. Because I've had friends who were super high risk that didn't get released until like 10 or 12 weeks, you know. But he released me to my OB at like 8 weeks. Okay, gotcha. So what was your experience like for Jacques now? Did you have something like similar? So after I had Julian, I had like a 30-hour labor, emergency C-section. I said, I'm never, ever doing this again. Don't even ask. Like, (laughs) it was like the most traumatic thing ever, you know, traumatic, dramatic. And then as time went on, 
JC was like, you know, what if I use my egg? And I'm like, that's perfect. If you go through the, the process, process is hard. The process of injections, injections of and all this, certain it's, hormones, you know, those hormones that really take a toll on the way you feel mentally and physically. I was like, I don't yeah, want to do it's that a again. Sacrifice, you know, it really is in a sense a, a sacrifice, you know. So it was after his first birthday, JC was like, I'm gonna try to make some babies, and then I was gonna carry them. But in the process of all of this. She had two endometriosis surgeries. So, JC oh has just been deductible like the past couple of years, okay? Oh, I'll always help to meet <laughs> she the had, deductible. She said, I will help you meet a deductible. So, she <laughs> had two endometriosis surgeries. So, she was not a good candidate for IVF at all. So, this is like April of 2022. We decide to try with her. Dr. Storman and them are like, no, we are not doing this. And she's like, no, I'm definitely going to do it. So... The first visit, they, they do a vaginal ultrasound, and they're like, oh, look, your ovaries look great. Everything's, like, gray on the x-ray, and then you see these little, like, black circles, and that's follicles. When it was me, they were like, everything's great, clear. I can see, you know, quite a few follicles. This is going to should be a good cycle. JC goes for her first visit. They do the vaginal ultrasound. The whole screen is black. She's like, what's inside of me? I have two demons. <laughs> She's like, I have demons inside of me. I mean, you couldn't even see her ovaries. They were like, JC, yeah. your endometriosis is and so I've bad. And I've been in pain my whole oh life, my but gosh, I just kind of thought it was normal. Yeah, so this, and this was after endometriosis <laughs> yeah. surgery. So yeah. they're telling her not to do it. She did it. So I was she, a mess. She made it through a couple weeks of meds. And then they called and they were like, we're 100% canceling her. She is not responding to the medication. She is not going to get good results. Yeah, like I was never meant to carry. So then like, after you open produce, up that reproduce. can, then guess whose turn it was? Mine. <laughs> because you're not just going to yeah. be like, you know, in her head. And back we were like, to Ambry, you know. Okay, like, maybe you right. don't have a sibling. And then it was like, no. And then we were like, The ball crap. was forced back into her court to go through the whole process again. And no, it's not fun. It's not fun oh at all. Gosh. So then it was, like, I guess, the summer of last year. Went through the whole IVF process again. Lots of injections. Lots of injections and all that stuff while having a toddler, which was not easy. I ended up with five embryos being sent to genetic testing that time. So instead of one, I had five that were healthy enough. So that was scary and exciting too. I mean, we were ready to purchase a van. We were like, we're going to have a lot of kids now. <laughs> like, well, clearly we're going to have all of them. Clearly we're going to have all these kids. So, so then no. when we got the phone call back, we had two boys that came back normal oh my god so we were like we're gonna be boy moms that's right yeah so then in december jc had a third endometriosis surgery oh my god and i had a miscarriage so oh, sorry it was horrible like we were like what oh. is going on with us you know what i mean like yeah timing was not right so then i so then we had only one boy left so then we were back in the same boat of what the hell you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Right. And so we, that was intense. That was a lot of pressure, a lot of heavy heaviness, because we knew this was like the last. Oh yeah, time we could not afford we to could do go it again. through this mentally and physically, and we just got dog it. We just lucked out again. You know, the last right. one he's sticking, and we're doing four months. So yeah, three months or whatever, three months. So the the yeah. my last and final embryo is in my belly. That's it. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. So that's the process so was exciting. much longer than we expected. Yeah. And much more strenuous than we expected. Extremely strenuous. I kept things more of a secret the second time because I just didn't want to have to, like, answer to people, you know? And right. my first go-round, I was, like, hard on myself for not eating the right food and all this stuff. And 
when the second go round came about, <laughs> I didn't even have time to think because I had a toddler. So I feel like there was less stress on me because I already had a kid. And I, I couldn't even focus on each step or what was going on because of our routine and bedtime and this well, and all this stuff. And, and he of... takes all of your energy. So yeah. I feel like the second IVF go around with me was less stressful because I already had a kid, you know? Yeah. It was in a what? good way. It took the anxiety away because you don't have time to sit and think about it. Yeah. It's awful when you have too much idle time, you know? Right. That was part of the process that I just like, I don't think people give themselves enough grace. I don't think people understand that when you open up that Pandora's box of going down the fertility hole, that it's, you have to choose a stopping point or you'll never stop or you don't know when to stop because sometimes people don't get pregnant and that is the end point and that's right. depressing. So you have right. to know going in that it's not always going to be a good result. You have to go in there realistically. And I, I feel like when people decide that they want to or need to like seek out fertility treatment to do it so sooner than later because they can make you a game plan. They can give you financial information. You can find out if you have a good sperm count. You can find out if you have some good egg quality. That way you can make like realistic goals. Because I feel like we kind of went in there blindly and thank God they like guided us in the right directions and things worked out for us. But I feel like some people wait and then, you know, you're 45 years old still spinning the same tires. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think there's any harm in going early just yeah. to get information about your body. Yeah. Do y'all watch New Girl? <laughs> No, uh-uh. What's that? Nope. What? What is that? It's not on air now, but it's Zoe Deschanel and yeah. they. there's an episode on there. They have a friend who's an OBGYN and Jess, who is Joey Deschanel and her best friend go and see how many eggs they have. And I just like never thought to do that, but that's like such a cool thing that you can just go do. It's like a hundred bucks. Anytime nuts. somebody asks me, I'm like, just go get your AMH done. Just go see like, do I really have time? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and if you don't, it doesn't mean you have to do anything about it, but you can, you're just going to at least know. You know what I mean? Because when I went in there to take and get my AMH done at 32 years old, I thought I'd have, you know, rock store numbers. And they right. were like, oh, your egg quality and count are pretty poor. I mean, and I was like, holy cow. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I was basically just, you know, already in menopause. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. yeah. At like 32. <laughs> so. Now yeah. I'm really in menopause. Yeah, that's such a great resource that you can just go do whenever, and like you said, t super affordable. So it's like a hundred bucks. It's like just do it. Yeah. So Ambry, you touched on this a little bit, but you said make sure that your mind is in the right set, that you know that it is a possibility, but you also know that it's not a possibility. Is there something besides that that you wish that y'all would have known before you started IUI IVF journey? Not that I can think of. Like I wish that I would have known how long the whole process would have took, but I don't think we. Would would have done it any differently than mm -hmm. the way we did it you know what I mean yeah there's so many resources online and and you know things that you can look up but I feel like it's it's just different for everybody I wish I would have known I don't I didn't realize how many people struggled with fertility you know or infertility yeah. or infertility sorry and so you know that journey is such a hard process that it's good to have a support group I don't know I guess I didn't realize how how much of a struggle it could be you know, from start to finish. And so I just, I wish I had done more research with Ambry so that I could have helped her better along the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, definitely. Like your That's other partner needs to try to be as involved as possible. And it's hard, you know, but you definitely, yeah. the support has to be there. 
I know that people do this on their own too, you know, but they still need some type of strong support group. So that should, that would be awesome to be, if that could be the partner in the relationship. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's so many areas that you don't realize how much support you need until you're actually like going through yeah. it. So if you are struggling and you need resources, Google, yes. I'm sure that you can find something, reach okay. out to a friend you can do this. Absolutely. So what is a piece of advice that y'all can give somebody going through this journey right now? Give yourself grace for sure. Stay positive. You have to be a yin and yang type of couple to go yeah. into this process because it's like reading a book, you know, there's going to be like slow parts and then there's going to be the climax and then there's, you know, there's, it's just a scary adventure, you know, so you just got to yeah. just, just buckle down and just stay positive, take it day by day. And I just think you just have to be lucky to even be on that adventure because it's like we were lucky to even be able to try the IUI. So if we wouldn't have been able to do IVF, it would have been very upsetting, but at least we can say we tried because I'm like, there's many people who can't even walk through the doors of the fertility clinic because of the price, you know, every time you leave, it's, it costs, yeah. you know, yeah. so be we, lucky we to be where you hard. are. We worked hard, but we, we practice gratefulness daily, you know, and I think that just works in our favor. Because we're so blessed with everything, you know, and being able to start our family. And, and Jacques is Julian's biological brother. And I, that's just so cool to me, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. So just, just everything's just, it's fun. It's fun stuff. And we're living. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Being a mom is the best thing in the world. I know that y'all can agree with that. And... Yeah how lucky for your kids that they get to have two moms that's so awesome do y'all have individual interests that you can see julian picking up on or being interested in oh yeah he is yeah hilarious and he he knows what what our day entails and he'll cook with me and he knows that you know things that i like to do we cook we go to the library and if i ask him what he wants to do when he's with me He'll say that, like, cook, go to the zoo, go yeah. to the library. The yeah. second JC walks in the house, he grabs a microphone, a guitar, a drumstick, and is he a maniac. He wants to connect with me. Yeah, he connects with her Through on a music yeah. level. And when she's oh. at work, he will ask me to play guitar for like a minute or two. But when she gets off of work, it's nonstop until I'm like enough or like bedtime. Like, <laughs> like, so he know, he knows what mama J can offer and he knows what I can offer. You know what it's I mean? Like so the best yeah. friend I never had. We, yeah. we, we rock out every day. That's so much fun. Oh, I love that. It's yeah. so fun. Yeah. I have not met him personally. I just see him on social media from what y'all share, but it's always so cute whenever y'all share videos of him playing the guitar he looks so serious there's one video that I'm thinking of where he's like playing the guitar and he's like looking at you like oh definitely I'm fixing to blow your mind, mind. yeah, yeah he we'll has have to post some some more music videos because he, he he thinks he is a musician yeah, for sure like he we closes went, his eyes and he just starts grooving to the, the you know the music and it's yeah just, it's hilarious we went to bibliobop today which is like a little concert at the library they have every thursday and they play the same music this the librarian has a fender guitar he plays music for 30 minutes and he skipped one of julian's songs that he loves oh and so he busted out crying at the end of bibliobop whenever we left oh. But he gets home. He didn't and play he, popsicle. Yeah, and he pretends to be Mr. Brett, who's the librarian. 
and he is playing the songs from the library, and it's just so funny because they, I mean, that's, it's just funny. I'm like, you're two years old, and you're pretending to be the guitarist librarian. He's, like, I can't he's gonna it. be something, man. He's gonna be something. Yeah. That's so awesome. A little performer. Yeah. yeah something good, yeah. you know. And Amber, you shared videos of y'all doing like cooking stuff. I have showed Drew. There's like a cookie one that y'all. Yeah, make. he keeps y'all eating the cookie. Yeah. We have watched that one like five times. Yes. It is, it is. so funny. He's hilarious. <laughs> I love whenever you hand it to him to roll and he does like, he like barely touches it and yeah. picks it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's so funny. Oh, y'all need to share more. I need to see more yeah. instruments and cooking. He'll, he'll make a good husband of somebody one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, JC and Avery, thank you so much for sharing y'all's IUI and IVF journey with us. I learned so much from you guys. I went into this totally blind, and I know that this is going to be a great resource to other families who are interested in this journey or currently going through either of these processes. Do you guys have anything else that you want to touch on that we missed or that you just want to bring up right now? I hope we, yeah, hope we, we miss you and we wish you were closer to us so we could all hang out because oh, you are oh so no. kind I and, and you've so always fun. been so kind to, to both Ambry and I since day one and you, and you're so you have the best personality you know you're just saying that because our personalities are similar I don't know you're just a likable you have a likable personality but I think it's just the kindness that and the willingness to learn about people that are a little different than you that makes you kind of special you know well, thank you. I appreciate that. We're going to try to come to New Orleans. Sometimes we miss it. So if, if we come, y'all have to come down to New Orleans. and we'll have to Just not in the summer. Yeah. We got to get our boys to meet. Yes. That'd be yes. great. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Absolutely. I loved it. You guys are welcome back anytime. Thank you. All right, you guys, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. Everybody's journey to motherhood looks so different, and I'm so happy that we got to hear Ambry and JC's story today. If you liked today's episode, you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and most importantly, you can share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening today. I will be back next week with a new episode, and I will talk to you guys then. Bye.